Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. I'm sitting here in studio, in our new studio, with the soundproofing and everything, with the ginger bow hunter himself, Jacob Myers. How you doing over there? Oh, doing well. You need some soundproofing once you're in this room, because, you know. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, it sounds a lot better. I mean, you can feel, you can, like, feel the sound panels. You can, yeah, you can feel the, the uh, reduction Mm-hmm. and uh, sound ways in here. Yeah, all listeners are like, oh, this is super interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, this is a big deal for us. This is like only four years into it, and this is like the first like semi-pro studio we've ever had. Yeah, I'm working on it. But this week, guys, this week's outro, breaking down old Mr. Chuck Young's episode. Uh, this is part two. And by the way, when I say old, I always say, you know, I say like old Maxwell or old Andrew mm-hmm. or old, old Chuck. When I say old, it's not O-L-D, it's O-L-E. All right? We're talking <laughs> Southern here. All right? Why, did you get autocorrected no, or something? I, no, I've had somebody like, why you called me old? I'm like, I don't, I don't mean like old, like Man. O-L-D, bro. It's like, you know, like the old boy. The old shops. And, yeah, I guess. O-L-E, bro. Come on. <laughs> O-L-E. Anyways, but uh, yeah, talking about Chuck Young, part two episodes. Uh, and really kind of excited. This was one that we recorded a couple weeks ago. And actually, since we recorded, we actually went out and implemented some things that were discussed in this part two episode that some of you guys have already been seeing because we've been dropping mm-hmm. some of the videos on Instagram. And we have yep. a full-length video coming out as well. It's going to be coming out on Patreon, and then will be released on YouTube as well. Uh, but specifically, talking the uh, slope angle shading on Onyx. Yes, sir. So, kind of get back to Monday's episode with Chuck. Uh, early on in the episode, he, he was talking about how he likes to use Cal Topo's slope angle shading 
which we've used in the past as well until again, you know, we realized that Onyx started, you know, offering that back in February. Yep. And uh, it's been so helpful because the problem was when we were, when you were using Caltop in the past, it was pretty much for slope angle shading. And you're like, yeah. okay, great. Now I got to go flip back and forth. And now since it's all in one now I got to go drop my pins on Onyx. Yep. You know, I got to figure out where it's at and then drop the pin and then use that in the field. Absolutely. So, but, uh, but when Onyx started offering that slip angle shading, it's been kind of cool because after we did this episode, we went out and implemented what he was talking about. And one thing that Chuck mentions in this episode is using that slope angle shading in those areas of like that dark red to purple, you know, he's finding bucks bedding like in and around those rock structures, either mm-hmm. below the rock wall or bluff or just above it. And dude, we went and, and tested that out and it worked pretty good, which we're going to get to a little bit later in the episode, yep. but uh, it, it worked pretty outstanding. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. Une- I mean, uh, unexpectedly good mm-hmm. for sure. So. Um, yeah, that was fun. That was that was a lot of fun. But from the episode itself, um, what were some of your main takeaways? Oh, man. I mean, which I already knew about slope angle, but for people that weren't aware about slope angle shading, that w- I thought was huge. Cause Quite a bit of feedback on slope angle mm-hmm. shading from this one. 100%. Quite a bit. And, again, if you weren't aware of that and that feature, especially like Onyx now having that feature, it's going to add a lot more value. Mm-hmm. I put a whole – if you're wondering, like, how do I add slope angle shading – Onto my, um, you know, my layers. We put a video out. It's on Instagram. Go to Instagram Reels. It's a how-to of, you know, adding that to your layers. It's super, yep. super easy. Takes two <clears throat> seconds. Two seconds. Super easy. But it's, it's just in a place that's not easily found uh, or people don't really look at in, in that certain filter. But super easy to implement it. Um, that was super, again, important for people that just were not aware of that feature specifically. Also, um, one thing that I thought was kind of interesting was when he was talking about, uh, again, how he hunts more windward side, which we'll kind of get into some details on, then the whole scent aspect. And, and, like, we had a couple – actually, I probably had three listeners DM me directly about, like, what scents he was using mm-hmm. uh, when yeah. he was doing that setup and stuff. So I actually had to hit him up. I was like, Chuck, what what was the scent <laughs> again you were using? Because something 307, and he uh, – he Trails End. Yeah, Trails End 307. I think yeah. he said, like, uh, wildlife institute or something makes yeah. it mm-hmm. um but anyways I, that was just super interesting but also i think we're going to drop i'll probably drop it on patreon for some of the guys to look at he sent me some photos of his ground setup and actually how he likes to position himself behind the trees what and actually from that seating position <clears throat> what his visual looks like and like how he sets up above these drainages and stuff, and it's really fascinating how he positions his his rifle or his bow or his muzzleloader or now his crossbow, like how he positions it behind that and just sets himself up. And he took a lot of really good images of it uh, oh, from nice. from like just a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it's it looks great. Sounds like a good perk for the Patreon members. Absolutely, yeah. Appreciate all the Patreon members. And also one fun thing that was about this episode is we actually got to answer or got to you know, ask Chuck some specific questions that were left by Patreon members, because mm-hmm. if you're on Patreon, you know, when we have some of these guests on, especially if it's a guest that people are well-known or is more well-known or they're coming on for the second or third time, you know, we're trying to get the Patreon members more involved with that, letting them know way ahead of time to ask us specific questions to then ask on the show. And we did that. And some of the questions were pretty good. I mean, I, I really enjoyed them, uh, especially kind of figuring out a little more of a set because one of the guys asked about, you know, how's he getting them out of the woods? And I fully was expecting he's packing these suckers out. He's like, no. He's like, up until three years ago, I was dragging them. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what, dude? I'm like, all right. And he's like, three years ago, he bought a cart, and he's 63 years old. And I'm like, dang, dude. I'm Carting like, them out. I'm like, all right. You know, that's 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 legit. I mean, that's serious. Yeah, that takes some effort. Um, Man, this episode, I really I enjoyed the discussion on him hunting over ridge points and stuff on leeward sides of – or windward sides of ridges actually mm-hmm. uh just because man especially when you've been like doing the podcast as long as we have <clears> like you you hear a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and that's something that we don't hear very often like at all um so that was like it was fun to hear him talk about that being his tactic and everything and it makes sense and you know tying it together with our own stuff that we've been looking at as far as thermals go um and, and hopefully being able to do a video on thermals here soon yep i'm trying to order some smoke bombs and i can't they I'm having trouble ordering. I don't know what the deal is. Mm-hmm. But I want to do a cool freaking video on thermals with smoke bombs. That'd be mm. fun. But, uh, but yeah, the whole idea of his scent going down and, like, pooling in a spot and not necessarily going down the draws, kind of opposite of a little bit of conventional wisdom of, like, oh, use that draw to, you know, get your scent out of the area. 
And he's like, no, the Bucks are coming up those draws a lot of times. That makes a lot of sense to me. Like, a lot of sense. Yeah, but. and it's also, if you, when you hear, like, all oh, the deers come up the draw, when you hear that for the first time, I think everybody, at least I do, I'm just assuming for other people, think they're walking right up the middle of the draw, which is not the case necessarily. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they may, just sometimes they may, but a lot of times they probably don't. And that's kind of what also um, Rusty Johnson talked about when we had him on last year in October. Yeah. But if you think about it, if every single point coming off this ridge, there's a, you know, it's a point. So there's a draw on each side of that point. Mm-hmm. So for, it makes for, it a draw. But to, for it to, for a deer to come up the draw, all they're doing is side hill in the point. Yep. Is the, like the easiest way to think of it. Mm-hmm. They're just not coming right up on the point. They're just coming side hill around that point that's kind of parallel in the draw, parallel in the ridge. And they finally get to a certain point where they come up and they meet the main ridge where that secondary ridge point comes off. Yep. Uh, and then they're crossing over that point. Um, so it's super, when you think of it that way, it's like super easy to kind of contemplate it and then also look at the map and like, okay, I can see how this movement would happen. And actually, after we did that episode, uh, I've actually been looking at the maps a little bit more for Arkansas, some of the places that we've hunted or I've hunted in the past. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it, some areas I looked at last year, but I was like, I don't know how they're going to use it now. Like, okay, now it makes sense. Especially after we have a year of trail cam data up there from Thomas running trail cameras. Yeah of like how the deer, the deer were definitely using drainages for travel. Like they were coming up drainages and they're like going around, you know, a big bluff or something. And they're going back down the other side of drainage. He had cameras on both sides, catching them, uh, specifically catching the same buck on multiple trail cameras, like doing that path of movement. And I'm like like, during the same night or day. Yeah. Like within like 45 minutes, I go from camera one to camera two to camera three. And he comes up one drainage, comes across the flat, got on trail camera number two, and then went back down the other drainage for camera number three. That's really cool. And I'm like, okay, now we, we got an idea now how this is working. <laughs> so, and this is something different. Again, you're talking more mountains here. You know, when you're talking, you know, hill country, probably still the same. I mean, I, again, deer are going to be side hilling a lot of times. Uh, and we're working on uh, getting, I'm working on getting another guest who's, he's been on the show before, but we're going to go in way more detail than the first episode we ever had him on. Um, and, and talk specifically about like that side, like those, um, that travel path around those drainages and how that also dictates with thermals Mm -hmm. and, uh, looking at the thermal switch and, you know, this, or thermal split, I'm sorry. Uh, or you might have falling thermals at a certain portion of that ridge, but once you get above that portion where it's a little more exposed, you might have a rising thermal and there's literally a spot there where it switches from falling thermal to rising thermal, but just below that, it's still falling and just above it's still rising. And, uh, and how potentially deer use that for travel or mature bucks use that for travel. Um, so it's gonna be super fun episode, but we're working on that one still. Um, definitely, but you know, it just, you know, it's, it's super interesting. And you think about the whole windward side. Also another thing that Chuck talked about, uh, kind of set up is again, you know, he's setting up over like a point specifically, like he wants like a big point, uh, secondary ridge point that's below where he's at. He's higher up on the main ridge. But he wants a big kind of flat in front of him where he has a drainage off to his left and a drainage off to his right so that, you know, even in the early mornings, you know, if his scent is still draw, dropping down, which it would be up until, you know, it got warm enough, that scent's hopefully going to be pulling down onto that flat and not dropping off into the drainages because yep. the, the point's big enough below him. Uh, so that by the time the deer are coming up those drainages, they haven't smelt him and he gets an opportunity at him before they get into that little scent pool. Mm-hmm. Um and I was like, that, again, makes sense. And actually, Michael Pike, he texted us about it, I think, early on. Yeah, this is this is what I was going to bring up about that, uh, is that particular tactic, Michael was like, hey, I think I feel like he's getting away with a lot there because he's a ground hunter. And I told Michael I thought the exact same thing because it, it, gets, it definitely gets a little bit more complicated once you get up in a tree because if you think about it, it's like every foot you go up the tree, that's like adding more variables into it, you know? And it's like any deviation where, you know, maybe there is like a very slight little breeze that kind of kicks to the left. Well, all of a sudden, now your stuff can drift down, you know, towards that draw a little bit more. Um, who's the guy? Uh, uh, Tom Brownlee? Tom Brownlee. I already knew. I, I, get him, I, get, I get him and that other guest mixed up all the time. Yeah. And uh, Tom Brownlee, that's what he was mentioning. And what, We need... Can you look at what episode that? Or oh yeah, yeah, look, yeah, yeah. Look at what episode that was. So Tom Brownlee is an, an individual, guys. We interviewed last year, and if you haven't listened to this episode, you really need to go back and listen to it for a super in-depth, detailed understanding of scent and how canines, specifically, you know, drug dogs uh, and search and rescue dogs, um, you know, how are they using their scenting capabilities in order to smell? And, and you're going to be blown away because the thing is, these dogs don't even have nearly as powerful of a nose as a white-tailed deer does. 
This is episode 315. This is one of my favorite episodes we have ever done. Super fun. What was the name of the episode? Uh, Name of the episode, episode 315, The Truth About Scent with Tom Brownlee. It's a must listen to everybody, especially before season. Like, it'll really. Oh, yeah. It's a good, you know what? I need to go back and listen to it before season because it's just a good refresher and some like hardback science of someone who deals with scent professionally Mm -hmm. at like the highest levels and, and him explaining how scent comes off of your body, how scent moves across the environment, how animals detect scent. I mean, it's fascinating. Ground scent versus actual. Ground scent right. versus, yeah, like all kinds of Your body scent and everything. How yeah. scent literally rolls downhill at a certain rate, and there's like a math equation where you can figure that out. Super cool. And also, versus a, well, a wind, there's another equation for wind where if you're standing in a field and the wind is blowing this this hard, this is how far your scent will travel. Yeah, your scent cone. Yeah. Oh. So cool, man. <laughs> it's such a fun episode. Yep. Um, and one thing he mentioned, because we brought the whole idea versus if you were in a tree stand elevated mm-hmm. versus on the ground, how far that scent would travel. He's like, he's like, of course it's going to travel much farther when you're up in the tree. But he's like, the one thing you got going for you potentially is if you do have that rising thermal, you're already 10, 12, 15, 18 feet or higher up in a tree. Mm-hmm. So you're already above the deer. And as long as you have a rising thermal, you're getting away with a lot. But if it's like high humidity days where, like, again, that it doesn't, Thermals are still working, but it, it has a lot more kind of humidity in the air, and your scent might not go up as quickly. Um, or if it's overcast or whatever else, it could be a detriment, and your scents can be cast out. And it also, there's a certain point potentially that it falls back down. So it might stay at that elevation, but at some point it could drop back down, especially if mm-hmm. the uh, like the wind speed drops. Yeah, uh, and how many whatever. times have you been sitting in a tree stand? And you're like, man, I'm golden on wind. And then, like, all of a sudden a deer starts blowing, like, way far away. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's probably what it is. Like, your scent settled somewhere way over there, just in how the wind swirls around. Yeah, potentially. Absolutely. And then, um, but but also one thing he said was, of course, like, on the ground, it's not going to travel nearly as far as if you're in a tree. Like, if you had a 10-mile-an-hour br- you know, breeze, you know, if you're in the tree, your scent's going to go probably farther than it's going to be in the ground because there's more stuff for it to catch on if you're on the ground by yeah. itself. Um that was one thing in that equation he doesn't talk about because he's talking about from the ground, but he didn't talk about from the tree aspect because yeah. it could be, I think it's a lot different from elevated position. Oh, yeah. I, I bet there is an equation for that, though. I bet that yeah. they could somehow add that variable in. And I'll say another thing. One of the most eye-opening things he talked about, which I'm not going to give it away because I'm going to make everyone go listen, but one of the most eye-opening things he talked about was ground scent and disturbed vegetation mm-hmm. and how animals perceive that and how freaking long it can last. It can last. Insane. I'm not going to say how long. you got to go listen to the episode. So everyone go back 315. Go check it out. Episode 315. Uh, but one thing he did mention as well in the episode that guys are going to be able to go and listen to is the idea of like if you have like hard structure behind you or like or bushes and trees or whatever, mm-hmm. like that's going to slow that scent down quicker than if there's nothing yep. behind you. Uh, which again, if you're hunting the ground, you got a lot of brush and stuff around you. Like that's again, it's a benefit. That's yep. again, kind of getting back to what Michael Pike had texted us about. Yeah, is that more than likely Chuck's getting away with a lot more than a guy that was elevated in tree stand just by sitting on the ground? Because again, it's going to be dropping different, uh, or the scent's going to uh, disperse different than if you were going to be elevated. Also makes me wonder with the falling thermals in that case. Because he talks about in the episode, like how quickly, like that scent will drop, like roll downhill, uh-huh. uh huh, and like go downhill, uh, kind of with your thermals. It makes me wonder. Again, is, is that is that slowing it down just enough compared if you're in a tree where it's like cascading off you versus if you're on the ground, it's like like it, you know, it doesn't have all this elevation or drop to kind of like help mm-hmm. speed up that uh, path of movement through those thermals. That again, maybe that scent is still not even pulling up all the way down there if he's high enough above one of these flats. Yeah. Where it's just it's just stuck on the side of the hill, like it's not going all the way down there by the time the deer is showing up. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I was wondering too. Is if is it getting like literally caught in the leaves and stuff? Yeah. Down below him. And, and again, this will make more and more sense, guys, if you listen to episode three fifteen. Yeah, it's like, fascinating. Three fifteen. That's um, funny. That was an episode that we had we had talked about for like. A, at least a year before mm-hmm. we had done before we actually did it mm-hmm. and we were just like trying to find the right person and mm-hmm. then finally we ended up finding tom and he knocked it out of the park man yep good episode um now just with that you know it's just again interesting like that ground hunting aspect and like a potential advantage there and you know we've heard other guys say the same thing like this other guest we're gonna have on uh he, he talks about the same stuff i mean when he was on the first time he talked about the same kind of stuff mm-hmm. um and just like the advantage 
and also sometimes it's not just advantage from a scent advantage. It's just like you just can't get a tree stand in there, or you're gonna be skylit or whatever. Like you're, yeah, you, know, you don't have an advantage. But when the Patreon members, when y'all see this post uh, that I'm gonna make, and just uh, it'll probably be the day, it'll probably be the day this drops, I'll, I'll make it. Um, y'all will be able to kind of see how he sets up on the ground in this kind of steep country, and he shows you a visual from that position of kind of what it looks like, and you're like, okay, I, I. I get it. Like, this makes sense. I, I mm. get, like, the advantage here. And he takes advantage from, like, the deer's perspective of, like, where the chair is at and everything. And, like, it's, it's going to be tough to see. I mean, for real. I yeah. mean, if you're wearing camouflage sitting there, because, like, he talks about in the in the post, and I'll, kinda, I'll make this in the post, when you're sitting on the ground like that and the deer's looking up at you, you're still – there's still stuff up above your head behind you. Like, the ridge still goes up. So, like, you just melt into the background. Yeah. Oh, and, that's uh, cool. He's like, you know, the hardest parts, you know, during gun season or muzzleloader where you have orange on, but he's like, you know, up there, they can still, in, in, in Arkansas, he was saying, which don't, listen, I ain't saying this is the fact, but this is what he said. I've checked the regs, but you can use, uh, like, camo pattern orange. Like, it's not just, it doesn't have to be like a flat yeah. orange, uh, which, you know, definitely is going to help. You can have a broken pattern. A broken pattern. There you go. Which is definitely more of an advantage than just straight blaze orange by itself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, it's super interesting. But, um, we took it out, and we applied it. Uh-huh. So we, uh, we've we been hanging on to that episode for a couple weeks now. Uh, we're trying to get out ahead of recordings, uh, just especially getting close to hunting season here. And we've recorded some... Oh, man. Uh, we've, we've recorded a couple humdingers. We're like four or five weeks out right now, so that that, that feels good. Also got a bonus hog episode that's going to be dropping very soon um, with Kevin Tullis, all about going out and uh, finding pigs and hunting them on public land in the south so uh that's going to be a, a bonus episode for apple subscribers and patreon members only not not apple followers because they quote they change the definition these days on so a subscriber is someone who is like paying for apple subscriptions a follower is someone who follows the podcast on apple um if you follow us on Apple, then that money goes directly to us. So that's a big help to us. You're not paying Apple. Really, you're paying us. So uh, that that's going to be available to them along with our In the Field series podcast. But anyways, um, we've been holding on to this episode for a while, and that gave us a little bit of time to go film some videos on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a full, like Jacob said, we got a full-length video coming out about um, the pretty much this exact subject of slope, slope angle shading, aggressive terrain, having to do with not only what Chuck talked about, but... The Jolly Brothers, Adam Tucker from May, um, all those guys, they all kind of talk about the same thing. And so we go up into the mountains around here, and we kind of try to show some of that stuff. And so we're working on the video now. And we found, listen. Look, we found some some good stuff, man. We, we, we found some beds that were the most impressive beds I've ever seen, hands down. Yeah, I'd I, agree I, with that. Or say The on, one in on, particular that you found in a little cave thing. Yeah. Coolest bed I've ever found. Absolutely. But... And, and oh, one thing, one thing we need to talk about real quick. Uh, I've been using this term a ton recently, and I feel like I've had a couple people ask me, like, "What do you mean by that?" It's the term aggressive terrain. Mm. We we haven't really talked about that on the podcast. Yeah, like because that's going to come in a factor because you hear you hear me say it specifically in that video a whole bunch. Yeah, um, of like you know aggressive terrain and how these deer seem like you know there's sign what for whatever reason, especially on this part of the mountains that we were looking at. Where we found that super aggressive terrain was where like there was a high concentration of not only beds but scrapes, rubs, trails, tracks. They even saw a buck in that spot. Versus when you're in more gradual stuff, like you just didn't see that sign. Um, so Andrew, how would you describe aggressive terrain? Um, the first thing I would say is you should go and listen to episode 368, "Big Bucks and Aggressive Terrain" with Adam Tucker. That's where that term kind of came from. Um, Aggressive terrain would be, I would put it as something that limits movement somehow, mm-hmm. as, as like a simple definition. So like your most obvious or, or one hin- is... Limits or hinders, I would or say. Or hinders, yeah, that's a good point. Um, so like bluffs, obviously. Which, bluffs, what's a bluff? A cliff, <laughs> basically. Rock wall. A rock wall in the woods. Oh, we oh. call them bluffs. Some people call them cliffs. Yeah. So uh, that's, a, that's a really obvious one and probably like the, more, the most extreme example of one where it is literally a wall. Uh, I would say, like, you know, you can have, like, boulder fields, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that can do kind of the same thing, or just really, really, really steep hills. Yeah. doesn't have to be a rock face, but hills are that are steep enough where, like, wildlife traveling through is going to – it's easier to go around it than to go right up it. Or, or not, even, it. not just that, but it's, like, if it's super steep terrain but it's still traversable – 
it limits on potentially where you're finding those trails at. Instead, they can travel mm-hmm. at any point of the ridge. There's probably going to be like very slick spots with their side hill. Because, yep. again, very few trails are going straight up. Majority of your trails we're finding, again, are, are side hill and are kind of coming up at an angle. Yeah. Uh, unless it's going through a bluff gap, which we find that we talked about in the video, which was like one of the best bluff Dude, gaps I have ever I'm seen. I'm so glad we found that. We we have had, over the years, so many questions on bluff gaps, and uh, we got we got a humdinger of a video on the bluff gap. We found a great bluff gap. And we're about to get back into the video thing. We've also had another people ask about that quite a bit. And uh, YouTube, baby. We're jumping back into the video stuff. We just bought a very expensive MacBook computer to start editing on, which I'm loving this thing, man. I love it. So, uh, working on that first video now, we're going to, you know, kind of dip our toes into it and kind of ease back into it, figure things out. But uh, y'all be looking for that for sure. But we have a, in this video coming out, we have a bluff gap that is just a prime example. I mean, literally, it was like. It's, it's literally just a bluff gap, dude. It, there's a bluff and there's a gap and there's a giant deer trail going but up. But it was in like. It. Again, like the way I've thought of bluff gaps, because I've seen some in the past, and the ones I've seen in the past were like tight. They're like rock, rock, and then there's like a gap in the middle. Big enough that, I mean, for a deer to go through. I mean, you could get through it, but it's like, it's not, Yeah, you know. It, it, you're it's, squeezing through there. You're squeezing through there. But again, the deer are using it. This was like, it was not that tight, but it was very, very defined. Like it wasn't like an area that was 20 feet wide. It was still five six eight feet wide probably yeah, yeah. I mean, eight to ten yeah eight to ten feet wide but right between again rock bluff rock bluff rock wall yep that ran the whole side of this ridge and it's like perfect and dude the the tracks and the trail going up in big it. old tracks well, and there's a bed oh dude bed yep. beneath it bed above, bed above it. it you're gonna see it all in the video oh so all good. in the video so good it, it was a prime example mm-hmm. and i'm glad we got to film it it was fun and then we uh we found those beds and we pop up on the hill above it oh hold on hold on a second hold on a second so we're sitting there filming in ah. one bed okay and i hear something up above us Jacob like, here's the squirrel hold up bro chill out so listen <laughs> we we're sitting there and i'm like we're filming something i'm like dude i hear i mean that is like a i'm like I'm pretty certain it's a deer. I'm like, get ready, it's coming. That's and he's like, he's like, no, dude, it's a squirrel. That's a squirrel. It's a squirrel, bro. I'm convinced. This certified squirrel hunter, dude. We pop over the hill, and and what we find, Andrew? A buck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still not convinced that what you heard was the buck. I'm. I think there was a squirrel up there too. Yeah, no. no. And I think that we hey, jumped him hey, up out of a hey, bed. You know what? When we got up there, I didn't see no squirrel, but we saw a buck. So, uh, well, you know, you weren't looking. The buck was distracting us, so the squirrel could make his getaway. Uh huh. Anyway, but uh, but yeah. So you know, definitely you know, play it out. But it's got some sick drone footage. You just, just you know, the whole, this oh, whole place. Oh yeah, we got we got a drone. I love well, it. We have the drone. We yeah, just but used now it. we're using the drone. Yeah, I so. love the drone so much. The drone to show you terrain features is gonna be awesome. Yep. Um, Very but, excited about but, all this. But back to this, okay. We can talk. We need to talk a little bit more about this again. Like how again, how we were going to a place like this specifically in mind because, like, hey, you know, Chuck talked about specifically betting around that more, you know, yeah, steeper yeah, stuff. Yeah. So the the premise of the video, the reason that we went out to film this is we were showing uh, first of all what aggressive terrain is and how to find it on a map. And so part of that is using that slope angle shading. And saying, okay, here's yellow. This is what yellow looks like. Here's light red. This is what light red looks like. Dark red, purple. And literally going to the places that that have those features on the map and showing you what it looks like. Very, very simple concept. So we went up there to go do that. Um, where that bluff gap was, that was a, that was like a red, like a light red area, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was, and it was also, interestingly enough, uh, one of those beds was right on the transition of the yellow to the red, so that was that was kind of cool. And you could definitely notice the transition on the ground when you're standing there in that bed. You look above you, you're like, "My God, that is steep!" And you look below you, and you're like, "That's still really steep, but not as steep." It There's looks a it looks, definite rise, yeah, 100%. right there. And on that definite rise, first of all, there was like a little slight bench, I would say, uh, shelf. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's kind of like what he's talking about. Yeah. It's just like a little, like a little subtle little shift. It's a slightly less steep spot. Well, it could have been a bench because I didn't see if it followed around the side of the ridge though. Because if it kept going, then then it would be a bench, wouldn't it? Well, anyways, either you, way, clearly meant, you didn't listen to Monday's episode. Oh my gosh! It was disgust. <sighs> a shelf. I picture a shelf as like where I shot that down in North Alabama that one year, where uh, where the crazy guy was living. Like the flat. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that's another thing. Flat shelf, but I mean, they all shapes and sizes. Anyways, there's so... A, there's, a guy, there's another guy we're going to interview from uh, mm-hmm. Mountains area, and he, he talks about that in Killed. Killed some really, some nice, and really nice deer doing this. So, uh, right there on that transition, there was there was deer sign there. That was kind of cool. Um, you know, just something different, especially in the mountains where everything was kind of the same. Mm-hmm. You might not have a habitat tra- transition right there, but you do have a terrain transition mm-hmm. uh and so that was just kind of interesting it was a little focal point and, and a pretty nice bed right there too by the way so we and we made that video and, and posted it up on instagram i had a listener i can't remember if he just i think he it might have been because i shared it on facebook i don't know if he made it in the comments or he dm'd me anyways listener he's like oh that's kind of interesting he's like i actually didn't because they didn't realize about slope angle shading so he pulled up on his map and everything he's like and he put it in the comments or he dm'd us i can't remember and he was like hey I found a bed last year that was like being above a hiking trail or whatever, like, you know, similar mm-hmm. situation. And he's like, I was just curious about the sloping and shedding, and it was bedded right at the transition between yellow and light red. Mm-hmm. And he sent the screenshot to us. We're going to have to pull on this thread a little bit more. This yeah. is this is new. We're figuring this out as we go. Nope. Hadn't heard of this before. So, uh, uh, we and we were above a hiking trail. It's another good point. Uh, just people walking up and down that joker being loud as crap all morning. Mm-hmm. And we were like, man, no. No wonder these deer have like a castle up here with this bluff, all these rocks. I mean, it's like a it's like a deer castle. They can just <laughs> sit up there, and they can watch you from what it's summertime, full leaf out, and we're seeing people way down through the woods, hearing them. And I'm like, dude, no, what you never kill these things. They're in their castle, man. Not in the afternoon, you're not. Not in the afternoon, you're not. That's right. So we uh. We we go through the bluff gap. There's oh. another bed right there. We see the we see the big old bluff. Well, I was gonna, I was going to say something else about the first bed. So that okay. first bed we okay. found we filmed is that the transition between again yellow to red. Just before that, mm-hmm. we did another video and we filmed talking about the falling thermal. Oh, seal. good okay. point. I'm getting ahead I know, of myself. Listen, you you, you really jump ahead, bro. <sighs> God, you know. yeah, all right, all right. So when we did that that the uh, that reel where we're talking, about, I was talking about the falling thermals, and. It was, I can't remember what time it was, uh, 8.30, something like that, 8, 9 o'clock. And, you know, still had fallen thermals. We're on the northwest-facing slope. There was a little, like a subtle drainage right there, too, kind of right where we were standing. And I was talking about falling thermals. It would probably have falling thermals in this location up until, if I had to guess in that area, probably 11 o'clock um, before the sun got high enough up to heat that. Heat not only somewhat the top of that ridge, but also uh, farther down in the valley to kind of get a, a thermal rise going. And just after we said that, and it was this area where it was having a thermal pool, that's where we found that bed. We literally went like 80 yards from there, and that's where that first bed was at. It was, yep. again, right there on that on that, that face, uh, just adjacent to that drainage. So if anything was up on top of the ridge or anything higher than him, he's going to smell it without a doubt. And then also he has that side advantage looking back down towards the trail, which was 120 yards away probably. And if you were at the trail – Unless you get, knew exactly like the tree he was bedded next to, there's no way you'd see the deer unless he got up and started like running around and crap. Um, yeah. So, you know, that was just something kind of interesting because you could tell it was definitely set up for, you know, uh, it was a thermal kind of area and a thermal base bed for sure in that location. Uh, and also sets up again for this time of year when we have a uh, more south, southeast, south, southwest winds. Um, again, being on that north, northwest side of the ridge. Houndstooth Game Calls is your home for turkey calls this spring. Go check them out. They got all the classic turkey calls. You know, they got the pot calls and the box calls and the mouth calls. But they also got a couple really interesting calls. One of them is called the, the success call. And you just need to go look it up. It's very it's like a box call that you can work with one hand. It's really, really cool. Sounds incredible. They also got the Spur Master, which is another very unique call that you can get some really unique, clean tones out of. They're going to help you out this turkey season. Use the promo code SOP24 to get 15% off of your order at Houndstooth Game Calls. That's SOP24. Use it at checkout. It helps the podcast. True Lock Chokes has been made in Georgia since 1981 and offering a wide range of chokes, over 2,000 different chokes for all kinds of shooting activities. You might be wondering why you'd want to purchase a True Lock Choke, and it's to improve your shotgun performance. Absolutely guaranteed. And as a great example, we have Andrew Maxwell here. And, uh, Andrew, you've had some pretty good luck, again, kind of switching out chokes and trying out the Precision Hunter choke from True Lock. So, Andrew, what's been your experience so far? Yeah, I've, always, I've used the same choke for several years now. I never really thought much of it, and I got the True Lock choke in. I patterned my gun with the first choke at 
uh, 30 and 50, and then I switched to the true lock and changed from 30 to 50. And the 50-yard pattern on my gun with the true lock choke is unbelievable. Like, everybody's jaws were dropping. Like, when I, we were out there with Mike and Sam, we were all super impressed. I mean, it's throwing a better pattern at 50 now than it was throwing at 40 before my old choke. And, Andrew, you're shooting the Precision Hunter choke from true lock. It's a great option. Same chokes I have in my shotgun. So, guys, if you want to give True Lock a shot this spring, you can head over to truelockchokes.com. That's T R U L O C K chokes.com. You can also use the promo code SOUTHERN at checkout at truelockchokes.com and save 10% on your order. Again, give True Lock a shot this spring, especially if you're not happy with the performance of your shotgun, and shoot with a more deadly pattern with True Lock. We were making our way to the actual steepest part of the of the whole area and there's this big draw so there's there's some dark red which is very very steep stuff are you looking at right now uh, i'm trying to pull up the slope angle shading right now um there's dark red right there which typically indicates some kind of bluff and so we're making our way to that and we got above it because we wanted to drop down into it and and get on top and so we get to that draw uh where this draw kind of cuts up in between these uh these two bluffs and Right there in that draw, there was some deer sign. There was a scrape. There were some trails. A um, couple of rubs, I think, around. Nothing like crazy. Um, just you know, some decent deer sign. Yeah, we were on top of the, the at the top of the drainage. I'm like, you know, do we want to go over like above one of those rock structures or what? And you just like decided like walk around, and I didn't know what you were doing. And next thing I know, you're like, hey, come on down here. Yeah, and it's like had to drop some serious elevation. Well, down. so I was going to film some stuff. I was going to get a little bit of B roll and. I walked and got on top of one of the bluffs and sat on the edge of it. And this, this is a really tall bluff. So for around here, it's like, like I don't know, 25, 30 feet. And uh, that's, a, that's a big bluff for around here, very tall bluff. And so I was standing up there, and I was getting some footage uh, off the thing, just trying to show how big it was and all that. And I looked down, and I can see some really, really heavy deer trails right down, like heavier than what was on top. I can see them down below me, below the bluff. And I can lean over a little bit more, and it kind of looks like right up against the rocks, it's like kind of worn in. And so I, uh, I'm i like, Jacob, hey, let's go down here. And I, <laughs> No, no, you went down there. I, I went down there, and then you were watching me, and I was like, dude, come down here. And you were like, I was afraid you'd say that because <laughs> you didn't want to crawl down into it. Yep. But uh, what what'd you see when you got down there? Uh, first off, trail, like a pretty decent trail going down. I was kind of following and then you come down, and I was like, and I thought I saw a little bed, uh, and I was like, brought something. He's like, oh no, you need to come look at these beds. I was like, what? And you're like, yeah, the, look at these beds right here below the rock. And I come around, I was like, oh my god, okay, all right, now yeah. now we're talking. Serious beds. So right up against that rock, literally against the rock face, the whole, the whole like from the rock out like one and a half two feet is just like worn into the dirt, mm-hmm. like and it's like follows the bluff wall where. Like, I suspect it's probably, like, a multiple deer bedding up against that bluff. And they're just coming, and they're just literally laying back up against the rock, a 30-foot-tall, solid rock, and just bedding right there. Uh, you don't even have to look. I mean, you can be standing there, like, from several feet away and just look and see all the hair in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, most impressive beds we've ever found, for sure. And we're kind of sitting there, like, checking out these beds up against this bluff. and Recording in the field Recording podcast. some stuff, yeah. And I look over... And there's another bluff, actually a bigger bluff, uh, across the draw on the other side, on the northern side of the straw. And at the base well, of we're that both bluff, on, we're both on the we're on the north we're on the north side of the ridge, so yeah. it'd be on the east side. Mm, yeah, the north side of the draw. No, the draw runs like kind of east west. Okay, and it was north of us. So, well, I look over there, and because I'm looking at it right here. In front okay, of uh, I look over there, and I see like this. I mean, it looks like a scrape, honestly. Like a big, like when you're, like when it's the rut and you're wandering around and you see like a big old scrape out through the woods, it looks like that. And it's right up against that, that rock wall. I'm like, dude, that looks like a giant bed over there. Yeah, and I turned around and I was like. Instantly you know, like, saw like, it. You, 60 se- yards away through the woods, full canopy. You're like, oh yeah, there like, it is. Yeah, like the second I turned around, like eyes locked onto it. I'm like, 100%. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you went over there like, yep, it's a bed. And. Did it, Mac Daddy, and it wasn't just one again. There Magnum was bed. One, it was one that one big bed. There was another bed, probably ten yards from it, farther down the rock wall. Yeah, these were a little more defined than those first ones we found too on the other bluff. Uh, these were the the whole edge of the bluff was still pretty worn out, but there was like more defined. Like here's a bed that they're using a lot. Here's another one because it was a little bit. It wasn't as flat over there, so it kind of rose up and 
Um, they're bedding in different spots. But same thing, slam full of hair. Ton of hair, mm-hmm. ton of tracks, Wet. fresh tracks all over the place. Oh, the, the ground was moist. The rock was real cool. That was another thing. You like bed up against those rocks. Like put your hand on the rock, and it was like, I mean, cold. Um, oh yeah, and it felt. I mean, it felt pretty good up there. Um, and it's not like we were in some high elevation situation. We're in central well, Alabama. Remember, we got on top of the ridge. You're like, man, it's kind of hot up here. It's like muggy. Well, so that was mm, as a as an interesting thing above the bluff, um, which you're kind of on top of the ridge. It's a it's it's not a secondary ridge, but it's not the it's not the highest spot of the ridge system. But you get on top, and it's like kind of hot. Um, hot it's, a li- it's a little bit breezy, uh, but it's kind of hot. And when we dropped back down after all this, and you got to the bottom, it was like real hot and muggy. It was terrible down there. Um, but up against these rock bluffs, the air was just cooler, more comfortable. I mean, we're pretty comfortable up there. We were yeah. sweating. Don't get me wrong, but. It was pretty comfy. You're felt, in the shade. It felt better than being up top, and it felt a lot better than being down at the bottom. Oh, yeah, and the, just the coolness coming off of those rocks. Like, it just kept the air, like, nice right there. And uh, and we filmed those beds, and, and that pretty much did it. We got everything we needed to, and so we start going off the side of the mountain. And we kind of zoom around the edge of this bluff, and we're about to start dropping down, and there's just kind of some interesting features. I mean, it's like the more we went, the more, like, beds we were finding. And uh, you were like, I'm going to go up here and look at this. Yeah, because it was like, a, it was, so we got down below. There's like a, it's, it's almost like it was a bluff in front of a bluff. It was like a rock outcropping up below the big bluff. Mm-hmm. And we were below that rock outcropping, walking around it. And I looked up and I saw like this wedge-shaped, like dark wedge-shaped, like cut yeah. out into the rock. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I bet you there's a bed up there. <laughs> so I'm like, let me, hey, let me crawl up here real quick. So like I had to climb up over like those, the smaller bluff, which I mean, you can climb up. It is probably like. 12, 14, 15 foot tall. Got up over it. And then the second I got up over it, I like looked over and I'm like, oh my God, it's a giant. I was like, was, I, thought, I think that's what I told him. I was like, dude, you got to get up here. And I got up to it and I'm like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> it was like a wedge. So it was like a V shaped cut into the rock, into this huge, I mean, g- huge bluff, huge rock formation. And uh, it, it's almost like a little overhang. And uh, we'll post, it'll probably be next week. I'll probably post a video on it. Hair worn out. I mean, the whole thing was worn out. Huge bed, tons of hair, and you can see. And Andrew, you can talk about the hair, how the hair was positioned in the beds, which way the deer was facing. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is, this is neat. So the bed. I mean, yes, yeah, it's, it's almost like a cave. Okay, and it it goes into the bluff, and he's like very clearly bedded in here. It's like a cave, exactly big enough where like a big old body deer can lay in it and just fit perfect. And the hair. This 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 bed had the most hair, I would say, out of all of them. I mean, it was just all over the place. And in the front of the bed, facing out away from the bluff, you could see all of his little short hairs, like little short hairs like you get on the chest and stuff. And then in the back of the bed, you know, big long hair, several inches long, uh, like a tail hair, so his butt's up in the back of the cave, basically. And you can see where he's literally laying there and facing out of the cave. Yeah, it looks like he's laying on his right side. So, like... He's like, like if you can imagine, like your dog, like kind of laying on its right shoulder. That's how it looked like he was positioned in that in that cave, where like his butt was back in it, and his like right shoulder was on the ground, left shoulder up, kind of head facing out, where he can still like watch down the hill and everything, and he can still see for a long ways. But he's got that other like smaller bluff directly in front of him, which I mean, a deer could jump off that without problem. No, oh, totally. Like, like no, it's not a problem at all. And again, they can get up it pretty easy. I mean, you can get up it too. It's just kind yeah. of a pain. Um, I did it in tennis shoes. Yeah, that's another thing. Andrew's an animal. I'm out there in like I got monkey feet, freaking uh, crispy boots, and he's out there in freaking just tennis shoes. on cloud tennis Worn shoes. Worn out tennis shoes with a bunch of holes. And in he's them. like, dude, he's freaking burning these hills up, these mountains. I was like, now, I didn't fall one time either. You gave me so much crap. You're like, you're you wearing those? You're not gonna put your boots on? I'm like, this ain't nothing, son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got monkey toes, as we say, man. He he can grab a beer can with his toes. I, I yeah, I probably could. I've never tried to grab a beer can, but all kinds of other stuff. I grab my feet all the time, dude. They're like extra hands. <laughs> that's so gross. <laughs> oh, that's nasty. Anyway, hey, um, so no, we get we get from that bed, and I was like, dude, like you're like, okay, let's get off here. I'm like, no, let's walk around the corner, and we kept going around the corner again. And there was like a big outcropping. It was like a big, like probably it might have been probably fifteen, twenty feet wide, mm-hmm. where it was like kind of like cut out. Yeah. And dude, you could just see the bed. Like second we came around the corner, I'm like, oh my god, there's another one. And it's this magnum bed laying there. And what it looked like, it looks like there's this an area. This area doesn't have a ton of deer. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what I think it is, I, yeah, think, I don't know. 
Well, I don't know about that. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard, I've talked to some people uh, there. Specific, yeah, and, I've talked but, to some people who sharp shot. That that's place. what I'm saying. And but it's been different after they did that. That's yeah, what, that's true. But I that's, guess they, they're yeah. But anyways, uh, back in, anyways, but I think it's just a bachelor group that's like it's it probably it's probably like two or three bucks, but they're moving around. Like there's probably that dominant buck probably was laying where we found that the bed. It was almost like a swamp cooler too because there was like a little seat coming out. Yeah, that one that was like a wedge shaped. Um, but it explain seems, what a, a swamp cooler is if people don't know. Uh, well, we can't really do them. It use, they use them out west a whole bunch. So you got to use it in a dry, arid place because you do it in humidity. It doesn't work. Um, I mean, I don't know. This is pretty much like spraying moisture in the air. Um, mm-hmm. the kind of like like the, the evaporation of like uh moisture like kind of cools the air in there. Yeah. Uh, some people I've seen people do it with coolers. It's a like cooler now. I don't know if you've seen that. It has like a fan built in. You put ice in there. It's got a fan that circulates the air and blows it out of the cooler. Oh, that's cool. Freaking swamp cooler. That's pretty much all it is. Um, but that's kind of like what that little spot was like. I mean, it was like there was water coming out and like the air was like kind of swirling in there and like it was really cool. Like you feel the air temperature. But long story short, the bucks, you could see that they're walking around the bluff. A big tracks are like walking around the bluffs and like there's a really well worn trail where they're like, it's like they're shifting. Mm-hmm. Like they're kind of like moving around. That's why I only think it's a couple bucks in that area. I don't think it's like eight bucks. I think it's like two, three bigger deer that are like bedding in one area. And then as, like, the sun comes across, they probably shift farther around, around that bluff. Because that bluff goes from, like, it's on the north side of the draw, so it's, like, kind of more southwest-facing. Yeah. And then it kind of goes all the way around to, like, northwest to, like, straight north-facing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like they might be moving around it a little bit, kind of staying in the shade. Yeah, you're probably right. So. That was a really neat spot. Kind of reminded me of uh, what the Jolly Brothers were talking about, especially mm-hmm. when we came off. Because, um, you know, it's a pretty abrupt hill, and you go down beneath it, and it's pretty flat down mm-hmm. there. Um, especially once you get out of the, like, foothills, there's some really flat creek bottoms, big, wide, flat creek bottoms down there. And definitely seems like the deer are dumping off of those bluffs and going straight down into that stuff, which mm-hmm. is pretty neat. Um, so you can kind of see how guys like the Jolly Brothers can go in and set up higher up, like very, very, very early in the morning, and Chuck, too, um, and actually set up and basically wait those deer out and let them come back in. And you can even go to, uh, like some people, like I've heard on um, uh, Clay Newcomb's podcast, him talking about guys in oh, yeah. Arkansas walking bluff lines and, like, you know, peeking down and killing deer in their beds laid up against the bluffs like that, which is really cool. I know some places in Arkansas we can do that. Yeah. So uh, that, that spot, you could really see how people could do that when we went there. So that was fun. That was a lot of fun going and, and filming that. So I'm, I'm eager to get that video finished we got to film a, a little bit more for it, but pretty much done. Just yeah. got to put it all together. Well, well, one thing that some people had asked, uh, it was in that post I made about the falling thermals on that side of the mountain. Um, that was probably going to happen until like 11 o'clock. And that's for summer. Like in, in the wintertime, you got to think in the winter, Some so people, when it comes to thermals, one thing I think people don't realize is like, uh, and I don't know the technical term here. Andrew, you might be able to help me with this. Right now, in the summer, especially like where we're at, that sun is so much higher um, above us compared to like where it's going to be in December. Like again, the, the rotation of the Earth and everything, mm-hmm. so that sun's going to be lower in the sky. Which on a north northwest facing slope means there's going to be less and less penetration of sunlight onto that side of the hill or mm-hmm. that side of the ridge and the yep. mountain. Uh, so I'm wondering. This is a theory. I haven't tested it specifically, uh, but I'm wondering if that has even a later. Um, uh, thermal ther- rise. Thermal rise than it does even now in the summertime. Oh, I bet it does. Yep. I bet you that it does. And, man, I bet it's just brutally cold when that happens, too, when you get, like, a really cold morning. Because I used to hunt up around that kind of stuff. Uh, we used to hunt on Shades Mountain here in central Alabama, and it has a lot of bluffs and just big boulders and stuff on it, just, like, giant, humut-like boulders the size of houses, like, just kind of all over the place in the woods. And we would hunt up against those. We'd sit up against one and watch like a saddle or something. And man, you want to talk about some cold. So it's like, I don't really know if the deer would bed like that in the wintertime. Because, I mean, it'll be 10 o'clock in the morning and you are freezing up against one of those. When it's otherwise, you know, pretty warm in the day. Now, remember this though. I agree. But also, this is my thought. In a lot of states, I agree. Uh They probably don't do that. But even here... I don't think it gets cold enough in very many cases where they're like they're always betting on, on south facing slopes. You know what I'm saying? Like you hear yeah. a lot of states like, oh, 
than in south-facing slopes. I like I think that real big buck, he's going to suck it up, especially the pressure there, and he's going to go on the opposite side of the ridge where there's not many, there's not as much deer sign. I could see that being the case. And it's like, yeah, you're probably not going to see a lot of deer, but when you see one, he's going to be a freaking mac daddy. He's just sucking up. I'm going to be a little, little chilly, but it's all good. You know? Yeah, that's I what, could see that being the that's case. That's why I'm trying to get sure. you know, he's trying to put Well, some, and two, another thing is when it gets too cold here, I mean, we see like stunted movement, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Like if you get down in the twenties, it's on, and honestly, in my experience, it's it's not the same for everybody, but my experience it kind of sucks until later on in the morning, mm-hmm. and the, and then they really start moving. Yeah. Now that being said, I have shot a buck on a day where it was like twenty degrees, and I shot him at like seven o'clock in the morning, and there was like little ice crystals coming up out of the dirt all over the place. So, I mean, there's always exceptions to the rule. I mean, there's no constants, but uh, just as a rule of thumb. Man, it's like once that dew burns off, or once the frost burns off, and everything's melting and everything is dripping, that's when I hear, or that's when I start seeing them move more on oh, days like that. Speak about this, uh, man. I could go for some of that weather right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I, I'm like, I guess we just interviewed. I don't mind hunting when it's hot, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Velvet Hunt over here. Yeah, so uh, 98 degrees. Yeah. Oh, I will be hotter. Let's get 104, 105. Let's go. <laughs> um, no, so. Uh, one of the other listeners put this question out, um, again, about the video. That's what I was trying to get at, and I got sidetracked about, you know, later in the year, that thermal switch happening later and later. Uh, but he's like, if that's the case, so say like on a north-northwest-facing slope or west-facing slope, if the thermals are dropping for a much longer period of time and the deer are feeding low going back up to bed up mm-hmm. high, how do you kill one of those deer? Because they have therm- thermal advantage and, you know, Depend, you know, not take, taking wind out of the equation, taking thermals into the equation. How would you set up in a situation like that where they're, you know, using that thermal advantage to come back up, and they have a thermal advantage for a much longer period of time with falling thermals than if they were on an east-facing slope or south-facing slope? You want my answer? What? You sit on the ground. <laughs> you sit. You sit on the ground, and and ideally, you're rifle hunting. I mean, I guess the bow hunters won't like that answer, but. I mean, in that spot, a- Andrew, Andrew's, Andrew's take on everything. Just, just get take a rifle, man. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, I've killed. I love bow hunting. I've killed a bunch of deer with a bow, but I still love my rifle. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie to y'all. <laughs> so, but for real, I mean, that's what Chuck's talking about. You go and sit on the ground in one of those areas where you can see stuff like that. He's not talking about hunting beds or anything, but like it's the same concept. You get over there, you get across the draw, and you get up against a big tree. And you sit there and wait them out and you sit on the ground. If you get in a tree, then your thermals are going to get broadcasted. You know, in the wintertime, in a spot like that, we were talking about it, when the leaves drop, I mean, you could probably, you know, see movement out to like 200 yards, probably shoot to 125-ish, maybe give or take some. Um, so if if you're sitting on the ground and it's a thermal pull day like that and it's just thermals pulling down the mountain – your scent's not probably not going to go 150 yards. Like I, I doubt it would. I mean, it might, but I doubt it. Um, and so you'll be able to cover what's beneath you, and then you can watch, you know, side hill around when they come up into that bed. That would be my answer to it. Sit on the ground and minimize that scent. And also, I think this is when it can, takes in consideration, which we're going to talk about this on a future episode, but I'll touch on it now, is that thermal split, mm-hmm. where if you're high enough up on the ridge, even if it's the north-facing slope, if you're high enough up, if the top of that ridge starts getting warm, it's going to start rising up there. But mm-hmm. if you start going downhill back into the shade, you're going to have the thermal split happen where it's still dropping at that elevation. But if you're up higher, again, closer to the top, you're going to have a thermal rise much earlier. And yep. I would almost use that to your advantage. Like I said, still hunt off the ground, mm-hmm. but like be on the very tip top. And like hopefully he's not coming through right at daybreak because you're probably not going to have a good opportunity. But slowly kind of wait for that sun to get up a little bit higher. And once that sun gets up a little bit where it's, like, clearly warm in the top of that ridge, just mm-hmm. start dropping over a little bit and just get far enough over where you can start looking down. Kind of like that, again, that military crest, uh, or just where you can start seeing down the hill and potentially start still having a rising thermal, but below that deer as he's coming up still it's a falling thermal. Yeah. So he thinks he's got the full advantage, but he can't smell you because you're at that thermal split up above it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a that's a good point too, and that's something something that hopefully we'll be able to illustrate in a future video mm-hmm. pretty well. So, um, yeah, this is, a, this is a really fun subject, man. Especially with us uh, looking at more mountains to hunt this year, both in Alabama and in other states, Arkansas. So uh, we'll be able to apply this, and it's just fun because it's something new for us. And you know, sorry to the Flatlanders who are tired of hearing about uh, mountain stuff, but you know. 
it's a it's a good time. It's a fun thing to learn about for us. So here we are. Yeah, um, it's, it's it's been a fun couple of weeks for sure, and kind of going through all this stuff. Yeah, we got anything, got anything else? That's all I got, man. Awesome. Appreciate everybody's listening to the podcast. Appreciate everybody. I've had a few people uh, leave reviews. Old boy, uh, oh, uh, Stingray. No, he's on the hunting beast. He left a review and talking about. He still gave me a five star. Gives a five star review, but he's you know making a little fun of my nose. Wilson. hey man, you right? Hey, though. look. If I was telling Actually, Jacob the other day, if a few more of y'all join Patreon, we could pay for Jacob to get reconstructive <laughs> surgery on his nose. <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> oh god. Anyway, but uh, appreciate Stingray. Uh, Anyways, but uh, appreciate everybody leaving reviews. Uh, hey, I'll, I'll read one real yeah, quick. Yeah, read, read, North, that was the only new one, I think. Uh, North Georgia Hunter um, Jam Up Podcast. Sorry, guys, on the reviews here lately. We've been a little discombobulated because uh, cause I, I I was gone for a week, and then I came back and moved, and so that's taken two weeks. And, and we're trying to get ahead on podcasts, so we're kind of structuring things a little bit different now. But uh, we're still going to read reviews uh, you know, as often as we can and read as many as we can. So uh, this would be uh, – uh, North GA Hunter Jam Up Podcast, five stars. New listener, have been playing the podcast at work in the truck when I have t- downtime because y'all jam-pack these episodes with so much good info. My hunting strategies have changed a good bit with what I've learned. I used to always hunt the pretty woods, open pines, edge of food plots, ridge tops, and I've had success. But now that I've changed my scouting areas, I've found lots more bedding areas, really good trails, and better buck quality. Also, hunting where most guys don't want to walk, as in walking three or four miles in to get away from the average Joe Hunter, the uh, hunting the deer woods. Uh, love the love the show, guys. Keep it up. Speaking about walking that far into the woods, we had a listener of ours that's up in Maryland hit me up, and actually, I was on the phone call with him. Actually, when I was house sitting for you guys while you're on your little vacation, and we found a spot on the map that was it's like that. He was like, "Hey, check this spot out. What do you think?" And I'm like, "Dude, go here and here and here." He's like, you know how far that is? I'm like, I know. It's I, I'm messing on the map. It's far. Like <laughs> just to get into like the hub below everything is I think it's two miles in. And uh it's still probably like another mile plus and you gotta go up a ton of elevation, but I'm like, dude, there's gonna be a monster there. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it's begging. It's, it's one of those things, hey that, hey, that's another reason why we losing weight. Andrew's not losing weight. Andrew's gaining all my weight. I'm I'm dropping down like <laughs> I'm like thirty five. I ain't gaining nothing. Dude, son. Andrew's a fat sucker. No, I'm just joking here. That's a fat shame, even though he's the skinnier one in the group. I can't let Jacob get uh, lighter than me. Yeah, dude, I'm thirty or I see thirty like thirty three pounds down right now. Hey man, That's getting in mountain shape. Dude, yeah, listen, hunt harder, bro. Scout harder. It's a lot easier. Everybody's like, I want, I want to lose weight on my, uh, on my setup, bro. Well, the easiest weight to lose, is, you know, on your setup is you, man. Come on. Mm. But uh, anyways, no, Andrew, Andrew could still be fat, and he's still out. You know, I could be skinny as hell, and he's still out. You know, walk, work me in the mountains. Dude, you're just, you're just a slow walker in the mountains for some reason. I'd be paying attention to stuff, bro. Listen, uh, uh, that is, that's possible. Listen, you yeah. know, I ain't, gonna, I ain't gonna deny that yep. completely. I, I walk in the mountains like you walk. On a plowed field looking for arrowheads, and I'm like, let's get to the next spot. Oh, that's nah. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh-huh. I'm looking for timber rattlesnakes, and you're like, man, I'm wearing tennis shoes. They can bite me wherever they want. That's right. Oh, by the way, quick update from the hunting club. Um, oh, okay. Check that trail camera. Uh-huh. I already told you this, didn't I? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> Very disappointing. Jacob saw all these little bitty doe tracks. He's like, look at all these big buck tracks coming out the beaver hey, slide. Hey, 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 <laughs> now they're, now it's big hey. Hey, tra- I got deer walking right smack down the middle of that beaver slide, too. That mm-hmm. was kind of cool. Um, well, what was, I, what's on camera, bro? Oh, I mean, you know, just a bunch of does. A bunch of big mature does, too, which I, I actually like. I'm not actually that disappointed. Um, it's the very first place I put a camera on the club. Um, I got some, like, forkies and spikes and stuff on it. But the main thing I'm interested in is this doe group that I got. And it's four does. They're in there all the time. And they're just big old fat mature does. Biggins. I mean, like booner does. And uh, if I can restrain myself from going in there and shooting one of them <laughs> with a bow, I, I feel like it'd be a pretty good pretty good little rut spot in there. Yep. For sure. That, which is kind of like well, what we talked it, about. It, it makes me wonder about pulling those cameras back from that location and shifting it over to that hardwood flat yeah. adjacent to it and yeah. see if you catch a buck there. Because there's, bu- there's a good buck. There's some good bucks in the area. I'm yeah, still, definitely. I mean, we found one. I'm, I'm, st- I'm, I'm, I'm still going to say that some of those tracks were still bucks, bro. I'm just, uh, they probably were. I mean, you never know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm excited about the does in there. Uh, I think it's the bucks are in there somewhere. They might but just why, not why be using excited, that trail. Why are you excited about the does again? Uh, just for the rut, and I kind of expected that to be honest, because the periphery of that area has mm-hmm. so much buck sign that I, I 
I mean, it could be uh, early season where he's like going out and he's he's eating under all these feed trees and rubbing. But I feel like it might be more rut sign that we were finding. So I don't know. I could be I could be right about that. I could be wrong about it. Or they're over there like one of our other guests. Actually, guest episode comes out I think Monday, right? Talks about uh, the guy from Mississippi. Uh huh. Yeah, that's okay. Monday. So we didn't talk about it in the episode. So mm-hmm. Actually, we might. I can't remember. We touched on. We might have touched on it late in the episode, but about going back to where we found the deadhead, mm-hmm. the the ten point, and running cameras in that spot specifically. They throw a little food plot up in there. Mm-hmm. I might do that. I'm planting that slough for ducks. So while I'm at it, I might as well go stick a little food plot somewhere else for deer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but uh, awesome. Well, cool. Well, dude, you get you been able to look at the uh, the pinout board yet? No, I still don't have a key to it. Um, I was trying to contact the, the club president um, to talk to him about this weekend. I was going to see if I could meet up with him and grab it because he, he should have it by now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it doesn't matter. I, I'll get to look at it soon. So I'm very, very eager to to look at that for sure. My main goal, too, by the way, with the club at this point is uh, I want to get out there and I'm just going to – I got trail cameras, so I'm going to start throwing trail cameras out. What oh, You ain't seen Kevin Toll's – uh, I, I, he he, because you didn't send him any pins on the place or anything like that. Uh-huh. So I sent him screenshots, and he sent me. He's like, "You need to check out this, this, this." this. Oh, I need to he, see that. He, I'll show you in a second. So, uh, my my main goal with it, especially now that we're kind of getting down to crunch time. I mean, getting to be August here, so I mean, we're getting pretty close. Uh, just get out there and throw what trail cameras I have out close to roads. I don't want to be like super invasive this close to season, because uh, the main thing is, you know, on, on public, you know, I can bounce around and kind of do whatever, but. Out here, I mean, I do feel like these deer are not very pressured, and so I don't want to screw that up necessarily. So um, I still plan on being pretty aggressive, but I don't want to, like, necessarily bomb into a bunch of spots. Man, forget that crap. It's August, bro. I'll be all up in there now come late September. Be a different story. Well, that's what I'm getting to is over the next couple weeks, I'm going to run cameras in places where I can easily get to so I don't have to go in and out multiple times. So next to roads and stuff. But when I go out there to scout, I want to go and I want to walk right into places that I'm going to be aggressive later this fall. And so I know what the trees look like. I know if I'm bringing a saddle or a climber hunting on the ground. I know how to get in there. I know what the terrain looks like. I'm, I know whether or not, okay, this hardwood drainage is literally nothing but poplars. There's no oaks in here at all. So, you know, ignore that or whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm just going to try to get a, a lay of the land so I'm not going in totally blind on a lot of it this fall. So. That's, uh, that's what we're doing. And looking at some pines, that, that little area no one goes to. Mm-hmm. Mm. We gave it a closer look on the map. Man, that's some good-looking stuff. So, All right, cool. Looking well, there. Appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. Uh, again, if you want to help support the show, you can do it two – actually, there's a couple different ways. Number one, share the podcast with a couple buddies. Always extremely helpful. Also, if again, if you like to support the show, uh, like some of our uh, our number one you know top supporters – Go over and join Patreon. You go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman or, or, and, or you can also, if you're an Apple user, go over to, uh, you know, the Southern Outdoorsman on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and become a paying subscriber there. It's just a dollar ninety nine a month directly impacts us, allows us to be able to kind of help produce some of this content we're looking to do. And also really dive super deep on the, on the video content for you guys as well, which I know a lot of you guys are excited about. I heard some really good feedback recently uh, after they had heard that we we're going to get into some video content again. Um, and not just filmed hunts, guys, not just filmed hunts. We're, we're trying to take the same progression of the podcast from like the educational side and, and kind of help people, you know, become successful and not just begin filming hunts specifically. Um, but again, you can go and become a paid Apple subscriber. Greatly appreciate everyone that's already done that. Y'all have been a huge help. And again, if you're either a Patreon uh, supporter or an Apple paid subscriber, uh, you're going to get all these bonus episodes that we're going to be putting out, which we've got some really cool ones already coming out, both the In the Field podcast series with me and Andrew, uh, along with some of these other bonus episodes, like we've got the uh, hog hunting episode coming out with Kevin Tolles, and we've got some other really interesting episodes coming out very, very soon as well. So go check that out, everybody, and we'll catch you all back here on this coming Monday's episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast.
You guys seem to really have enjoyed over the last year where we've went to a Q&A format every Thursday on the show where we answer some listener questions. Now, some of the most common ones that we get have to do with gear, but also how to find a good hunting buddy. You know, I'm really lucky to, to have a hunting buddy like Jacob. We've been on a lot of incredible hunting trips together over the years, and it's just nice to have somebody that, you know, is always down to go on that that trip that you've always wanted to go on or, or who will wake up at three o'clock in the morning and go get that gate before someone else does on public land with you, whatever the case may be. And like I said, we get a lot of questions on how do you find, you know, a group of people who enjoy that same thing so you can kind of network and make some connections. The Mobile Hunters Expo is the place to do that. Y'all heard us talk about it last year. And guess what? This year it's happening in Dalton, Georgia. We're going to be there June 28th through the 30th. We're going to be there all three days. We're going to have a booth. You can come talk to us. We talked to a lot of you guys last year, had a ton of fun. So looking forward to that again. But guys, I'm telling you, this is the place to come network. And there's going to be a ton of you guys there. A lot of Southern Outdoorsman podcast listeners are going to be at this show. And actually, Friday, June 28th, there's going to be an after-hour social after the expo. So what better place to go kind of intermingle, hang out with a bunch of like-minded people, and probably pick up a couple new hunting buddies. So you guys don't miss it. It's June 28th through the 30th. I'm telling you, if you listen to this podcast, this is an event you need to be at. Now, we'll see you guys at the Mobile Hunters Expo June 28th through the 30th in Dalton, Georgia.